Oh, God's good, right? Uh, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday, however you like to phrase it. I'm, don't, I'm okay with saying it's Easter. I love Resurrection Sunday. Listen, if you're a Christ follower today, you, you need to practice this every day, okay? You have that right, you have that opportunity to be a Christ follower every day, to, to, to live the resurrected life, Savior, every day, amen? So uh, it's Easter, we like to stand for the reading of the word. If you'll stand, we're just going to read five, almost, well, a little over five verses of scripture this morning, out of Luke 24, one through five, and then the first couple words of six. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Can you say amen? Yeah, give the Lord a shout. He is not here, he is risen. And it's so cool, and we're going to pray in a minute, but it's so cool that they say that he's not here for he is risen, but now because he is risen, he's here. And there's a difference there because we need to walk around like we have Jesus as part of our life. It's life-changing if we can walk that way. Bow your heads and let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive. We thank you that it's truth. We thank you that it's love. We thank you for our friends here, our family here, our guests here. We thank you, Lord, for church people and maybe those who have been here for the very first time. I pray, Lord, that you would awaken us all to the love that is Jesus Christ because he is alive. He is resurrected. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said... Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. I had been uh, saved, you know, gave my heart to the Lord on December the 6th, 1979. So coming up 40 years or so, 40 years, wow, that's a long time, 40 years. And uh, I remember when I got saved, we'd say saved at the time, I prefer to say Christ follower now because I think sometimes we, we, we're saved, but it's almost like a check in the box. If I follow Christ, I want to follow him wherever he leads me, okay? And there's a big difference there. So uh, 40 years ago, I gave my heart to the Lord, and I basically, and, and, and they meant well, the, the spiritual leaders in my, my life were dynamic, and they still are alive and dynamic today. Uh, they still pour into our ministry. In fact, they pray an hour every day for this church. Uh, so that, that's great to have spiritual giants in your life that will pray for you, amen, and, and pray for our church. But I, I basically got a list of things that I could not do anymore or shouldn't do. And, and it, it's, it's tough when you're falling in love with Jesus and, and you learn about the things that you can't do. And, I, and they, again, they meant well. It was just kind of that time in the 70s and 80s where, well, you can't do this, you can't dress that way, you can't go here, you can't go there, you, you can't, 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 can't. And it caused me those first several years to worry about what I was doing wrong rather than what I could be doing right. And maybe you are in that place as well, or maybe you're here today, and this Christianity is, is very new. We have some people in our church that, honestly, they, they had never heard the Lord's Prayer before. I mean, they're that new of believers that haven't been around uh, Christ's followers at all, that they're, they're just learning. They're learning the books of the Bible. And so I, I came from a Catholic education 
and, and, and Catholicism, uh, and I love my Catholic brothers and sisters, and if you're Catholic here today and you're a Christ follower, we're brothers and sisters, right? If you're a Baptist or Pentecostal, Methodist or Lutheran, you're a Christ follower, you're our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're, we're in this thing together. This is about a relationship, okay, not a religion. I, I grew up in a religion that had a bunch of do's and don'ts, and I had to do these and do that, and then I got saved and, and, and uh, became a Christ follower, and some of the same things happened to me, and, and again, it was, it was good stuff, but it was a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, I want to talk to you for a moment today, and it won't keep you long, but I want to talk to you for a moment today on what the cross and what resurrection really happened, what, what took place for us. Not, not that we can't do these things anymore. I believe we get to a place in our life where we don't want to do some of those things anymore, where Jesus truly does change us, and it's like, no, I can't go back. I'm not doing that. But while you're in that place where we're trying to learn from here to here, what can I do when we all get through this thing together? I want to give you a couple things on this is what... Jesus did when he rose from the grave. Number one, the first thing he did was he dispelled wickedness. In other words, he got rid, he overpowered wickedness with the blood on the cross. All right, and here's what happens because we, we get to this point, I've got to live it, I've got to live it up to somebody's expectations. Jesus' expectation of you is that he spilled his blood for you. That's it. He loves you, he cares for you. That's an important thing because if you go from one religion to now maybe legalism or if you go from being just beaten down because you know you're not any good to trying to stack up to somebody else's measures, you have to know that Jesus took care of that at the cross. He needs you to live it the best way you can. He'll take care of the rest. Sanctification is a process. But he got rid of wickedness. Listen, that evil person that is in your life or that was in your life, that, that mean person that just abused you or, or did terrible things to you, that, that, that boss that just can't stand you and hates you, Jesus will take care of them. And hopefully he'll save them. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. He got rid of wickedness forever. In fact, the scripture is clear in Ephesians that now the devil is and always has been underneath Jesus' feet. He's a defeated foe. But Romans says, and Paul writes, now because of our, us being Christ's followers, now he's under our feet as well. You need to tell the devil, no, not today. It's over, devil. No, not, I'm not going to have it today. Sometimes the bully will pick on you until you stand up to the bully. Amen. You remember the old schoolyard? Everybody's thrown that one punch. <laughs> Sometimes I'd still like to throw that one punch. But I'm a believer and I can't do it. And I'm a pastor and my wife will not let me do that. But there are days I'd like to. Let me just grab a couple of those guys I go evangelize with and take them out back church. We'll lay hands on them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, you got to be careful the crowd you hang around with. <laughs> Jesus took care of wickedness. Now someone will say, but the pastor, there's wickedness in the world. There will always be wickedness in the world while this world exists the way it is until Jesus comes back. But that doesn't mean you have to abide in the wickedness. You are set free from that. You can overcome that. 
you have deliverance over that. And please do not use it as a cop-out because that diminishes the work on the cross. Jesus died so that you can have freedom because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He's caused you to be free. Let's go to number two. The second one thing, second thing that happened is he washes all of our faults away. He washes all of our sins away. Now think about that, how cool that is. That one drop of blood. In fact, here's how it's going to play out in the end. God will be on the throne and Satan will come because he's the accuser of the brother and he's going to throw accusation after accusation after accusation your way. He's going to be like the, the, the prosecutor. Yeah, but they did this. Yeah, but they did this. Yeah, but they did this. Yeah, but they were dirty. Yeah, but they did this. Yeah, but they did this. And, and then God's going to say, as your defender, he's going to look at Jesus and say, what do you think, son? And he's going to say, Father, they have no sin. My blood covers all their sins. All their faults are washed away. Listen, church, that's a miracle. That's a miracle that we, would, that we would understand and see. In fact, the scripture says this in Hebrews 10 and 10, our sins are all washed away. Psalms 103, as far as the east is from the west, our sins are going to be no more. Micah 1 and 7 says this, that they're thrown then into the sea of forgetfulness. Listen, this is how powerful God is. He chooses to forget your sin. Even when we can't forget our sin. Even when our, our friends and family remind us of our sin. Even when well-meaning people say, you don't stack up to Christian standards. God says, yes, you do. I have forgiven and forgotten everything that you've ever done. You're set free. He washes all of our faults away. Listen, we are not a perfect church. And if you are, you don't belong here. Because this is a bunch of imperfect people serving a perfect God. Serving a perfect God, the Lamb of God, the King of kings, the Lord of all glory, the bright morning star, the lily of the valley. God is so great. His son is so wonderful. He died for you and for me. When I first got saved, uh, Janie gave me a Bible. We have Bibles up here for anybody that might need one. She gave me a Bible, and you need to read this. And in the religion I grew up in, we weren't encouraged to read the scriptures. I certainly weren't encouraged to read them out loud at the time. And I actually uh, hid the Bible under my bed and read it every night for uh, a whole year. And I just let that word soak into me. Every night I'd grab my Bible and I'd read it. And there were things in there. I knew a lot of the stories, but there were things in there that, like, man, I didn't know. And I just got this hunger and desire for God's word. And now I, I, I read, I don't ask my what maybe 20, 25 chapters a day. I can't get enough of his word because I can't get enough of Jesus because I can't believe that he would take away all of my faults. And he will yours as well. He loves you that much. If you'd have been the only person on the cross, or only person in the world that day, he still would have died for you. He washes everything away. My wife is a bit of a neat freak. I mean, she, uh, she, is, a, she is just a, a clean person. She's, she just loves, I mean, I love it that she loves being that clean. And yesterday I was out doing some stuff in the yard and I came in and she's like washing the outside of the windows because of all the pollen and everything. And there's like, you know, in North Carolina, listen, we don't have that type of pollen in the Midwest. We have pollen here like this. It's this thick. It's yellow. Like everything, the state color is yellow for about six weeks. I don't even know what the state color is. It should be yellow. And it's thick. And she's out there wiping the, the stuff, the pollen off the thing, and her rag was just 
filthy, dirty, stained. Jesus took your sin and he wiped it clean and he put it on a rag and he dispersed that rag forever. And that's where your sins are at. They're gone. Your faults are gone. Listen, I want to talk to somebody here. Maybe you, you listen. Life has beat you up and you think you're a nobody. If you're a Christ follower, you are a somebody. And you're every bit as equal as me or anybody else in this place. God loves you that much. He cannot love you anymore. He is love. As much as he loves any person here, he loves you that much. Amen? All right, let's go number three. He restores, this restores innocence to the fallen and joy to the mourners. And so here's what the cross did. Here's what the resurrection, here's what that empty grave did. It restores. It's a restoration power. We talked in the early part of the year about being restored. We had a conference called the Restored Conference. It's all about restoring what God did to his former glory. He restored people in Scripture. He restored Mary Magdalene of seven demons. He restored Lazarus who was dead in the grave. He restored Peter who died and denied, or who denied Christ. And he restores each and every single one of us. Let me read to you. I think we have it. Isaiah 61 and 7. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. How many wants a double portion today? Honestly, it's okay to want more. A double portion. Instead of dishonor, they will rejoice. They shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, if their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. If you're a Christ follower today, you should be a joyful person. Even in your troubles, even in your, in your trials, you should have the joy of the Lord. Why? It becomes your strength. And if, so, if the boss man, show, if you showed up tomorrow at work and the boss man said, hey, we're going to double your pay. Oh, really? really? Are you going to do that, boss man? Thank, thank you, boss man. You'd be shouting for joy. You'd be texting your spouse. You'd be, everybody in that place would know it. You'd come to church, you'd start double tithing. This is what, listen, this is what God said he would do for you as a Christ follower. He restores the innocence of our youth. Youth, as a mo- for the most part, are totally innocent. Even, even the honorary ones, man, they, they're just innocent. They, like they're, they're mean one day, and then they're nice the next. Or two little kids playing in the playground, they're fighting, they're boo-hooing, go and tell mama or grammy, and five minutes later, they're playing again. That's the innocence of our youth. That's the way Jesus wants us to act with each other. He wants us to love God with everything in us, and he wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And our neighbor is that good Samaritan story. Our neighbor is anybody and everybody that looks different than us, smells different than us, acts different than us. But God wants us to love them just like we love ourselves. Why? Because it will help. First Peter says it, that love will, will cover a multitude of sins. They can only see Jesus through us. And our team goes out to one of the, maybe some of the, the areas of town that aren't, aren't the best, Okay. I don't know if I can say it that way. They're, 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 they're a different area. And we go into those areas and we knock on doors and, and I see hurt and pain in people's eyes. I see a life that maybe, maybe had some wrong decisions or maybe had some bad things happen. But, you know, Jesus loves them just like he loves us. And, and I've gone into areas that maybe seem a little bit upper crust. They're sometimes less open to the gospel than some of the people who are down and out. Why? We can't think we have this thing without Jesus. Jesus is everything to us, church. 
everything. Let's go on to the very last one. Now we'll talk about just a couple of things really quickly. He drives out hatred and brings down the mighty. And this is so true. Uh, hatred we see in scriptures. Uh, John says in 1 John that if we hate our brother or sister, it's the same as killing them. It's the same as murder. Jesus said if we allow bitterness to get in or an offense to get in, it, it causes root of bitterness. Bitterness turns into hatred. That hatred turns into spiritual murder. And we have people that, you know, sometimes walk through life and family members that can't talk to family members and friends can't talk to friends. And you wronged me and you hurt me. And Jesus drove that out when he drove Satan out, the accuser of the brethren. When Satan was cast down, Jesus died on the cross, that hatred flipped to another side. And if you're a Christ follower, you're on team Jesus right now, and we're all on the same team together, right? We, we follow and walk this together, and he takes down that mighty. Satan had authority in, in this world at one time. Because of the work of the cross, he, has that, he doesn't have that authority anymore. We have, this, we have this ability now, not arrogantly, but to walk freely in Christ, that whatever the enemy might try to do to you, there's a supreme being named Jesus Christ of Nazareth who ruled over that enemy at some point in time. And now we are victors. We're victors in Christ. In the early church, uh, first century church, they would say, uh, like we say hello, or we, we give people hugs we haven't seen for a while. We maybe give a high five or a handshake. In the early church, the first century church, after Jesus had risen, their greeting to each other is, he is risen. He is risen. We started the service off with that. I want you to turn to one person right next to you and say, he is risen. risen. Say it like you mean it. He is risen. Say it to another person. He is risen. Say it to one more person. He is risen. I know that. And why, Pastor, why are we saying that? Why are we saying that? Listen, here, listen, the first church, the early church, were persecuted so poorly, they had to know if someone was on their side or not. We've relegated that whole thing down to one day. We call it Easter Sunday. We celebrate he has risen, but can I empower you for a second? You can celebrate that 24-7, 365. You can celebrate that every single day. And maybe, maybe you don't want to say he is risen. It'd be okay to go back to that. But he is risen. And it's a faith builder. He is risen. Just say, he is risen. Think about it. He is risen. He's alive. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you and me, he lives now on the right hand of God the Father. He makes intercession for you and I so that when we pray our prayers, he's there. It's an amazing, supernatural thing that takes place. I'm reminded of the two disciples that walked on the road to Emmaus. One was Cleopas, the other one's not named. And maybe it's because we should insert our name there. Maybe we haven't walked with the same amount of, of faith that they were walking. And they were walking away from Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was, was over here. And they were walking seven miles outside of town towards Emmaus. And Jesus pals up with them and starts talking to them. And, and it's amazing on how there was Peter and James and John. And there were Mary and Martha and all that. And he goes and hangs out with these guys for real really several hours. They walked seven miles. And he's teaching them the gospel. And then he sits and breaks bread with them. And he takes it and blesses it and breaks it and gives it away. And their eyes are open and their hearts burn within them. They realize he was the Christ and then he was gone. And I think sometimes maybe we're walking the wrong way. 
And maybe you're here today knowing that Jesus died, it's Easter, I'm going to check the box off, but I would say, is there more? Is there more for, that God has for you than just walking and checking the box off and going to Easter? And we're so glad you came, and we hope you come back next week. But the fact is, Jesus Christ will partner with those people who want to walk the way he walks. I know that's hard to say on Easter, and we got to keep everything really light and fluffy, and it's got to be really good, and got to get you out in 65 minutes, and we're going to do that. But I want to tell you this because I'll stand in judgment. But there's only one way to heaven, that's through Jesus Christ. And I, I know some people just continually walk away from him because they, they think that they're, they're okay. And it's not by works. But James said, and Paul did too, you show me your faith and I'll show you my works. So hear me just really quickly that when Jesus died and we're on a road with him, however we're walking, that he wants to be on that road with you. And even if he's got to turn you around and point you back the other way, if you allow Jesus to walk with you, it's a beautiful, supernatural thing. As the worship team comes back, I want to tell you one story really quickly. I read recently about a, a Catholic priest, believe it or not, cardinal at a church in Orleans, France, He's a cardinal in the, in the Catholic community, is over like the whole area, be like an apostle or something maybe in Christendom. And uh, he tells a story about three 11-year-olds who aren't Catholic, in fact, one's Jewish, and they go to a Catholic church back in 1939, and they, the church was having confession, and so they go into the confessional. If you know anything about Catholicism, you know that they have a confessional. We believe that you can tell your, your, your sins or your odds straight to, to the Father through Jesus, and they, they, they tell them to a, a priest, and the priest then tells them a, a penance, and so these three 11-year-olds were jacking around, and, and they went in and, and did confession, and, and the priest thought, you know, they're just having fun. I'm not going to rip into them, but I am going to mess with them a little bit. So the one 11-year-old who uh, was of Jewish descent, he said, I want you to look at the cross and say, Jesus, I know you died for me, but I don't care. I want you to say it three times. So the 11-year-old Jewish boy went out, and in the Catholic church, usually there's a large crucifix with Jesus still hanging on it, and the young Jewish 11-year-old looked up at the cross and said, Jesus, I know you died on the cross, and I don't care. Jesus, I know you died on the cross, and I don't care. And then the third time he said, Jesus, I know you died on the cross. And something within him stopped him from saying, and I don't care. And all of a sudden, this 11-year-old's life was changed. And we know that because the cardinal, Jean-Marie Listinger, the Jewish cardinal was that 11-year-old that day whose life was forever changed because he started to look at the cross differently. And today when you look at that tomb and you see a risen Savior who's washed away your sins, washed away your faults, washed away your hindrances, and put the enemy underneath your, underneath your feet, we have reason to celebrate on this Easter Sunday. We have reason to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We, we have reason to give a shout to the Lord. 
He's a life changer. Not just a game changer, he's a life changer. I'm just gonna bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. I so much appreciate you coming out today. So much appreciate your, your spirit today. But there may be one or two here that you're, you're not on that pathway with Jesus. There may be one or two here that you've looked at the cross maybe a little bit differently, but maybe you've not accepted or respected what Jesus did. You see the tomb and you know it's empty, but you still haven't totally believed that he emptied that tomb for you. And I wanna share with you this morning, we're gonna pray. If you feel like that's me, I can't really believe Jesus died for me. I can't really believe that he would have done that just for me, can I tell you today he did. And not only that, but this thing's not a bunch of, bunch of don'ts. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of get-tos. You get to walk hand in hand with Jesus. You get to walk in freedom with the Savior. You get to know that you're free from, from the sins that have attacked you and haunted you. You get to know that you have now a friend and his name is Jesus Christ. And he, and he will share with his Father the needs that you have. If you're here today, you say, hey, Pastor, I, I, need, I need to get on that pathway with Jesus. Just raise your hand right up and right back down. God bless you. Thank you for that hand. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Yes. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to ask every person here to stand. And can we give a round of applause for those who, who raised their hands this morning again? That's awesome. We're going to pray what we pray, call a prayer of faith. And afterwards, if you prayed this faith, prayer of faith for the first time, or if you need a Bible, we have some Bibles up here. We'll be standing around. We'll have some people up here that will just pray with you and and, uh, and, and just believe God's best for your life. But I want to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask every person here to please pray it with me so that we can pray it together as family. Would you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. I accept you and your work on the cross into my heart, into my life as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I'm saved. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Can we do that, church? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. If you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands up. We're going to enter back into a song of worship during your closing prayer. I want to thank you for coming out. God bless you today. Happy Resurrection Sunday.